So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, may the 4th be with you. Now, I know that's cheesy, and I know that right now when you guys are listening to this, this, this podcast is coming out on May the 6th, but wow, I cannot believe it's May already in 2021. So we are, the year is flying along. You know, everything that we've seen right now is the housing market is really, really tough out there. It's really, really tight out there. Houses and real estate in general is selling for record numbers. Agents are having a tough time getting their offers accepted. Even listing agents are having a tough time figuring out which offers to accept. It is not an easy real estate game out there, but we're still having plenty of people entering the industry. Wait till you hear some of the upcoming interviews I have this next week with some guys who just got their license in the last year, but are already really, really doing an awesome job. That can be, you know, a lot of people can get to use that for tips on how to conquer 2021 in this new market. Well, today's podcast is one of those special ones where I go through and you listen to just a couple minutes of each of the podcasts we did in the month of April. So you know which ones you might want to go back and listen to again. So first up, this was State of the Market 69. This was at Kimberly, Missouri. I've had her on here a couple times. Great agent out in Boston. Really, really fun conversations. You're talking about home buyers at a breaking point as competition hits an all-time high. Here you go. Red hot North Texas real estate market is driving up prices. We have women swinging umbrellas at other women on sidewalks because they literally are fighting over who is in line first as they get to the listing. Now, I've seen pictures of like lines out the door, but I haven't seen any fighting yet. I bet, and listeners, if you have, like, send me some of your notes about the fights that you've seen. Have you seen anything like that yet, Kimberly? Thankfully, no. That, I mean, it's not really funny that they were fighting, but it's just, it is funny. It's like you're hitting each other with umbrellas. Like, come on. But it, yeah, it's wild. I've been hearing a lot of this, like 80 plus offers. It's, yeah. The, it is it's a, a wild time to be a buyer right now and a buyer's agent. Oh, this is actually, it looks like it's actually at one of my buddy's offices. I got to, I got to hear about it. So the, an article on uh, in, Business Insider. It, I mean, it, it's, it's, I guess it's old news, but it's just a $400,000 house got 122 offers in two days. What do you do as an agent if that's happening? Actually, one of my friends that's an agent around here had something like that happen over the summer. Interestingly enough, they got like 50 or 60 offers. And this was before you were hearing stories. I feel like this happens a lot in Austin right now. A lot of my friends that are agents in Austin are like, yeah, we're getting 80, 90 offers. And I asked him, I was like, what did you do? Like, how did you handle that? And he was like, honestly, anything under a certain price, we just didn't even look at. Yeah. It's like you need to filter. I remember in the REO days, there was, uh, you know, you, they would get 10 or 20 offers, right? There was nothing like this, but they would have a separate form people needed to fill out as a attachment on the top. Like, here's the cover form you need to fill out. What's your offer? What's your continue? They kind of said, here's the six or eight important things to my client. So attach your offer, but this needs to be on the front. How much you're paying? 
what your you know due diligence is, how you're paying that sort of thing. Have you have you done anything like that? Do they do anything like that in Boston? Uh, and that is something that I probably would implement in my business because I can tell you the most annoying thing for me, at least ever, as a listing agent, is when you get an offer and every single page of the offer is a separate PDF. Like that drives me absolutely insane. <laughs> and like it's because I've spent so much time working with buyers and then having more on the listing side this year is like a really interesting reminder of how some agents just have no clue what they're doing or they're just like not professional. And I'm like, I like, I wanted to just be like, I don't even want to look at this because this drives me insane. Like having all these documents, like different things. Like I just want to see one PDF with all the things in there so I can scroll through and put all the terms into my spreadsheet. But I love that like cover letter idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I think probably each seller has, you could even ask your seller, like what's the most important thing to you? Right. And then have that be on the check. So at least because if you get that hundred offers, I mean, you can't even call all hundred back and say, sorry, we didn't accept your offer. Like, like a lot of the, a lot of the manners, the common courtesy in real estate gets tough when you've got that many. So the, well, Agents these days aren't even calling when they get 20 offers. Like it's not that hard to BCC everybody on an email and just say, Hey, we got 20 offers and sorry that it didn't work out. That's true. All right. That was state of the market 69 with Kimberly Meserve. Next up episode 965 real estate marketing for 2021 and beyond with Maria Quattrone. The agent's job is to convert the opportunities. We don't have an ISA department right now. I don't, we may at some point, but to convert the opportunities that I've brought in and show and sell property or list property. And then the back office does all the support, all the marketing around it, all the social media, everything, you know, by even like putting up signs, lockboxes, scheduling photography, virtual staging, the office does all of that. So really it is an agent can come into our system our MQA mm-hmm. system and make really good money really quickly with zero out of their pocket. So we run the office uh, like one big team as opposed to, I'm not personally, I don't believe in independent brokerage model. I think that, and I didn't believe in it the day I walked in the door, which is why I started a team. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back to that, Aaron, and really say to myself, okay, well, I've tried, I've tried that model. It doesn't work for me because I didn't believe in it. I, cause I don't believe that one person could do seven jobs in one transaction. It's not what I believe in. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not the efficient use, right? It's, it's like batching. People need to be able to follow their, do their tasks, do their tasks really well. And they can fire out. If somebody's just dialing, they can do more calls than the person dialing and doing the contract. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, the other thing on top of that though, it's worse is that you're really only good at maybe two things. So something suffers, which usually means the client is suffering. The client's suffering because you cannot be showing property and also getting mortgage commitments, putting things in the MLS, getting signs up and scheduling photography. It's just not possible. It's not possible. I like that. You can only be good at two things. So focus on two things, have somebody else focus on the other ones because it's not, uh, you're like, otherwise the client suffers. Building your brand, you have to say, I'm going to be in real estate for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, whatever. Let's just say you got 20 years left. You got to think about that. You got to think about the 20 years every day. So when people say, I started this, it didn't work. I started that, it didn't work. I didn't, how long did did you do it for? Were you consistent? Well, I did it for two weeks. Okay, well, it's not going to work. 
I did it for a month. It's not going to work. People say, you've done all that video last year. I produced between overproduced podcast and video uh, produced on my big view. I've, I've did over 350 since COVID hit. It's 350,000 in marketing. Three, no, 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 wait. 350 pieces of content Okay. I produced. People say, is that stuff working? Yeah. And I say, well, depends on what you mean by that. And they look at me funny. I say, okay, do you know how bamboo grows? And they're still looking at me. I go, okay, so it's like a stalk. It's like this big. And it gets to be a little bit bigger. It's got offshoots to it. And then it gets a little bit bigger. And it's kind of slow. It's not really growing. And it gets a little bit. Then all of a sudden, there's called, they have bamboo encampments. They're trying to stop the bamboo from growing. It will not stop growing. That's yeah. marketing and branding. All right. If you guys liked that one as much as I did, go back and listen to the rest of the episode 965. She has a bunch of tips of stuff that she's doing right now, and it's really, really impressive. Next up, State of the Market 70. This was another interview with my friend Kelly Skebel. We got to talk about all sorts of things real estate news related. One of the questions out there is real estate a safer investment than stocks? Here's a couple minutes of that one. I like this last article that you sent over. So Market Watch, America's think it's better to invest in housing than the stock market. The uh, did you did you look in, in that article much? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, it says a study found that over ninety percent of respondents preferred owning their primary residence rather than investing in the stock market. Even says a majority of survey takers also favored the idea of being a landlord to pur- to purchasing stocks. What do you think? I fall in that category. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. invest a little, but uh, you know, the bulk of our money goes back. We reinvest back into real estate. It's just been really good to us. We understand it. It's kind of funny timing for this because I think there's probably a lot of fans of the stock market too, because a month or two ago, you would see people making a ton of money on random day trading stuff, right? They go like, oh, GameStop went <laughs> a gazillion dollars and, and all these things. And so there's some days where people are like, this is awesome. So if they would have asked this question like the second day of the GameStop surge, then I bet a lot of people might've answered it different. But then a few weeks after that GameStop crashed and part of, and and now it's actually back up again, but it was like, there was all this intervention that came in that kind of pushed stocks back down and shut down trading. And it was like this realization, like, I think a lot of people after that were like, I'm not investing in stocks anymore. Like you're actually seeing it as corrupt. Like stocks used to be I don't know if safe is this right thing, but the but seeing like the stock market is like this this corrupt thing and housing is still through the roof. So since yeah. March, housing has gone up and up and up. If prices have doubled in two years, like that is way more solid than the stock market. Now, people that say they would rather be a landlord than invest in the stock market, landlording isn't easy. <laughs> um, the, for, the, for the other side of that, they, they probably, they should ask people like, have you been a landlord yet? And what will you do if someone doesn't pay? Or does it just sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Or if somebody tells you, hey, you need to come plunge the toilet because it's not working. You're like, come on, really? Like the calls, <laughs> the calls that you get as a landlord, but it is, uh, the timing of that is great, but I fall into the same category. I think it is better to invest in housing than the stock market. Big news in Texas, I posted two days ago. Texas Supreme Court makes eviction filings easier. So if you if you Google Texas Supreme Court CDC, you're going to see so many different versions of this depending on who the reporter is. The other side of that, what these articles aren't saying is in Texas right now, for the people that have applied for rent relief, they are dishing it out like crazy. 
to the that we have had residents. So we've gone to all of our residents that have given us the form. And we said, here's the paperwork that you go to. It'll take you 10 minutes. Go fill this up. And half of them did it and half of them didn't. The ones that did it, they paid all their back rent and their future rent until May. So some people covered a year, uh-huh. a year of rent payments. And so, cool. So we won't, so we don't need to evict them because they took the 10 minutes to fill out the form. But we right. have the, the other half of our people in default. They are refusing to fill out the form. They just don't want to. They're not going to take the 10 minutes. And because before we could not evict them because of the CDC eviction moratorium, they didn't want to take the 10 minutes. They were kind of like, I don't have to. I wonder now if they will. Yeah. Now that it's turned back on. So my, my, the big thing I was saying for a while is you don't need both. You don't need an eviction moratorium and rental help. Mm -hmm. If you're going to give people rental help, then you should be able to evict people if they refuse to essentially sign for the free money. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. We, um, here in New York, I was actually just on the phone with um, our real estate attorney a couple of days ago, and you have to present the hardship. If you can tell people that they have OBAC rent, you have to present the hard, this hardship form. Mm-hmm. And there was like, anytime you talk to them, you're supposed to present it, even if we can get it to go, get to court in our area, which is super difficult. They still have the chance to fill out the form. And once they fill out the form, everything pretty much gets washed away. Um, and like you were saying, like, we can't even, the lesson that she had said was we weren't, we're, we're almost not allowed to even try to prove that, that, that that's not true, that the hardship isn't true. Um, so, so like you're saying, they could completely, they could make something up some bogus lie and still like, we, we have to take it as at face value on the form on this like really short one page form. It's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, we will, we will see. I promise all of you guys, I'm not a heartless person, but I do, uh, but I do think that part of the, for the way the system is supposed to work, evictions and foreclosures are part of the, the real estate system. If you can't evict and you can't foreclose on people, then we're not going to see lenders or landlords wanting new people to come in. All right. If you liked my conversation with Kelly, go back and listen to the rest of State of the Market 70. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal. But it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about RentReady. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, RentReady, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, RentReady is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of RentReady for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for RentReady's annual plan at RentReady.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code ROCKSTAR50 to get rent ready for only $54.
Next up, episode 967. This was with a two-agent team, Lori Derrickson and oh, Colleen Zabadik. The Go listen to this, this episode as they talk about how much they've grown with YouTube. I look at your YouTube page and it says, you know, new videos every week. You know, it's got pictures of you guys. You guys are in each of the covers. Tell me about that. Tell me about your content and what you're building there and how often you're building that up. So what um, Lori and I, before we even teamed up under Jesse and Jackson, we were listening to podcasts. Lori, like had, yours. Yep. <laughs> Lori had came across one that I think Jackson was talking about. And he went, he had just on yours actually. Oh, really? I don't know. And he had talked about how that's the one to say for sure. Like it's definitely the real estate <laughs> rock stars podcast. No, sorry. <laughs> But he had said how important it is to just be real. Like I have a hard time putting on a sales face. I'm not a salesperson. I can talk anybody's ear off about why my car can't stay clean. There's always mud around Colorado Springs. The, The point of just being able to talk and tell people about your area and be real. I was like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and Lori's good about organizing. So it's not just big spider web, you know? I mean, I think a lot of agents get to the into the trap of just doing, you know, things on home inspections or just doing things on their listing or a market update, which is great, but you're not, I don't think people really care about that. Mm-hmm. Like we tried that, we got zero reach. This, people know us. That's what we love about it. People call us and they know us. Like, they're like, you're from Minnesota. We're like, oh yeah, we talk about that all the time. And we yeah. had, they already like- You can hear it in your voice I'm, too. I'm like, this is amazing. They already feel like, I'm not selling them, me. Like they know me. Like they kind of weirdly know me <laughs> when I don't even know them. And that was when, because I would do a lot of the footwork on the Facebook at, you know, leads. I would call the number. Most of the time it was a wrong number or a wrong email address. The quality of leads from Facebook ads to YouTube is day and night. The Literally, we were sitting here working together and she got, we purposefully, Put a different phone number so we knew where that lead was coming from um, on YouTube. And so when Lori got that first phone call and answered, they were like, oh my gosh, I'm moving to the area. We want to work with you. Like they literally said, we're already their agent and they want to work with us. I was like, we don't have to like compete with, compete compete with, agents with other or agents. Or that is what that Jesse... And Jack, they talked about that a lot is when people would first call, it was like, they totally knew. One thing that you brought up there. So, so again, so you said first was your Facebook group. Second was your YouTube page, but you mentioned in there having a different phone number for each of them. So you could kind of track leads. Do you still do that? Do they have two different phone numbers? Is that like, and, and are the leads, do you treat the leads different? So basically a lot of times the leads will funnel. Like, so sometimes the people will hear about our, our Colorado Springs what's going on Facebook group on our YouTube channel. Cause we'll mention it, or it's in our description below. And then if they're not going to reach out that way, some people get nervous to reach out because they think that we're like these, these I don't know, like people they YouTube. shouldn't call or something. <laughs> and then they join us on the Facebook group and then we message them and they're like, actually we found you ladies on YouTube. And that's where we hit them up. We have a few clients right now that we're going that way as well. So we use that number kind of in our whole trifecta just so I can figure out kind of where they're coming from. And then we kind of know where they, we, we ask them. One thing I was just going to tell your audience that's like kind of my passion behind that YouTube and that trifecta is, you know, just with Zillow taking over that market and Zillow getting a broker is that you're going to have to figure out how to market and brand yourself as a real estate agent 
in this industry and kind of beat Zillow. I know I posted in a group and some people were kind of all over me. <laughs> she like, gets kicked out of groups saying, <laughs> how are you going to beat a billion dollar company? And I'm not going to beat them, but I'm going to play in that game with them. And my thing with doing YouTube and the trifecta is that you get to know that person who is moving to your area before they even jump on Zillow. So if I knew I'm moving to Austin, Texas, I'm probably going to hop on YouTube and say, what's it like to live in Austin, Texas? Things to Maybe do. even before I start my house search. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Those people are going to see me and Kayleen and know us before they start that home search and go on Zillow. And then Zillow's a broker and they have a Zillow agent all of a sudden. So I kind of, we talk about that all the time is how you need to brand yourself and get to the client before they get to Zillow in this changing market. All right. And if you like that one, remember, go back and listen to the rest of episode 967. Next up, episode 968. This is my friend, Cody Bugen. So Cody is a land guy. He's not an agent, but he goes through and talks about land and how land is kind of that next blue ocean in real estate, especially with this competitive market. Here's a couple minutes of that. You know how sometimes you hear where attorneys are accused, some attorneys are accused of being deal killers? Yeah. An uneducated agent trying to sell a raw piece of land that has development potential, they oftentimes are deal killers because they have no clue how the process works. If you think I'm going to go buy a piece of development land where I'm going to pay development prices and I'm only going to have a 10-day inspection period like you do with a home or I'm going to close within 30 days, you have completely destroyed any opportunity you have of getting that deal sold. Because if I'm going to pay development values, I got to make sure it's developable. And it's not developable until I get it through the political process. So when you create expectations with your seller that there's no education behind, you have no, so they call them, they tell you they want to list it for 5 million or 10 million, whatever the price is. Okay. Because you don't have the education needed, you don't know how to truly value that property. Oh, well, I pull comps. Land isn't like, like cookie cutter homes. Okay, land, every piece of land costs a different price to develop. Uh, different land is worth different prices based upon how it's zoned. Are utilities there? Or am I going to do have to run offsite utilities? Is there any overlays? There's a gazillion boxes you need to check. That's an exaggeration, but there's a whole lot of boxes you need to check in order to truly know what that land is worth. So when Joe Blow calls and says, hey, I want to list my land, and you say, okay, great. More than likely, you are going to create an artificial expectation with that client because you don't know how to value that land. You're also going to create an artificial expectation as far as the terms of the deal and how it should go down because it doesn't go down like a home sale. It's far different. So Uh, how much... How much money can an agent make in the land business? If they become the if, if they become the hard worker, they become the expert. They go, this is my niche because it's impossible to get houses right now. What's what's the reason they'd be doing this? I don't really. When I go and do my deals, I don't really put them on the open market for sale. We do stuff by word of mouth uh, and through our networks because we don't like our deals to become overshopped. A lot of times, I feel like when a project hits the open market, it tarnishes the project because most good deals get done off market. And the reason for that is, is because there's no agents that feel comfortable in this space. So there's not a lot of these deals happening on the open market. But 
I wrote that I wrote that agent a check for three hundred grand for bringing me a buyer for one of my deals. The, I mean, the paydays are beautiful, but I, I mean, I can't encourage this enough. If you like the land space, if you see the potential in it, if you see where it's a blue ocean, if you see where you could go get educated and carve it out as a niche that sets you aside from the rest, you've got to find a niche. You've got to find something as an agent that you bring to the table that other agents don't or that technology can't. Yeah. If you don't, mark my words, we're in an artificial market right now. Demand is making people money, not necessarily the value they bring to the deal or the experience and knowledge. I don't believe the technology platforms that are coming out there are gonna be able to compete with a true professional expert in the land space because their models, they can't get into that type of analysis. All right. And if you want to hear more about that one, you want to learn more about land, go listen to the rest of episode 968. Next up, here's a couple minutes of my interview with Andres Bustamante, episode 969. This was super fun. I remember I, 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 met, I met Andres when I bought my new house. He was actually the one handing me my keys and he couldn't believe it. He had been a longtime listener of the podcast. I was excited to meet him. And a year later, I got to interview him on the podcast as he's been crushing his real estate business. Here's a couple minutes of that one. How much money did you make your first year or your second year doing it? Cause this is, I mean, it's totally part-time. So you're a full-time student, but on the side you're showing these. So do you remember how much you made your first year and your second year? So first and second years, I didn't make much. I was getting the hang of things and I, my mindset wasn't really the best mindset back okay. then. So junior year, I made about 40 K and senior year, I made like 50 K. Dude, that's crazy as, a, as part, part-time <laughs> doing insane. leasing. So your first, so you got really good at it by the third year and you're like, holy cow, I'm making as much money while I'm going to school as some of the people you went to school with were going to make, right? Some of the people you graduated with, they're making 40 or 50 grand a year right now. And you were making that already. So what, what would you have done different your first couple years? So I always ask people like, what do you wish you would have known your first year? It's never really about you know, this sort of a, of a journey, which you have such a cool journey of, of doing that. But what do you wish you would have known your first year, your second year, or if somebody is like a freshman in college, they're thinking about doing this, like what advice would you give them? I would definitely say to switch your mindset to maybe I'm not worthy of doing this because I'm too young. But that mindset of, you know what, I know my stuff and I know that I am a resource so that people can get the best apartment complex possible based on their criteria. I feel like for me, it would have just been a mindset shift. I feel like it's about the same when people are getting into luxury. It's like, am I worthy of doing this or not? As long as you're that source and the educator, I feel like you can be successful in almost anything in real estate. What it, so I asked you before, like, what advice would you have given yourself that you wish you had known at the beginning? Now, part of that was maybe different industry. So if you're going to be talking to agents that are going to be buyer's agents or seller's agents uh, in their first year, does your advice change on what you would, what, what you would tell a first year agent? Well, I think for me, it would be if, if I would, if, if I could go back, it would really very much so be narrowed down to two ways of uh, getting clients and also really know who your target audience is because you don't want to be all over the place. Whenever I'm on Instagram, my target audience are people that are between 20 and 30 years old that are going to be house hacking from there. Everything will spread, but it's very important to have your avatar 
and you tailor all of your content towards that person. And from there, you'll be seeing with consistency, you'll be seeing a lot of results. Dude, this has been a great interview, man. I am so pumped that you got to come on the show. As all of you listeners, you need to know, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, but my favorite people to interview are people that started listening to this podcast when they were new and now they are crushing it. All right. And if you liked that interview as much as I did, go back and listen to the rest of episode 969. Next up, episode 970, our teams of future of real estate with Brett Jennings. Brett has a really interesting market in the way that he does his brokerage. First, he starts with people on his team, knowing that eventually they outgrow the team. And that's when people usually want to go join a different brokerage. So he's got an opportunity inside his own company that before they leave the brokerage, they can actually keep more of their commission. Here's a couple of minutes with him. Yeah, no, one of the things that you just touched on though was this whole thing about being human, right? Like your your outreach that you did with your company. And I think, you know, that can sometimes get lost, right? We get so focused in real estate on like knocking out the next deal and what's the best script to use for this. But like, we forget that, you know, people want to be related to as a human first and how far that goes. Because, you know, one, one of the things that I've heard said is real estate is all about relationships until it's about real estate. You know, and that, that, uh, seems to be true. You know, it's like how, how much further and how much better our business goes if we're a quality human first and then, and then get after it. But you know, if you do both, you have awesome strategies, tactics, and scripts, and you're a great human and you're unstoppable. And you're unstoppable. And, and the human connection is it goes so much in the world of zoom and the world of remote stuff. When you get to people need a human connection, we need more than we had before. When people weren't, went and worked in offices, everybody had different levels of human connection. Even if they weren't super salt, they like interact with people all day long. And now that they're not interacting with the, with each other all day long, the human connection is so much more important. And yeah, if you, uh, if you're if you've got the skills and you lead with human first, then yeah, you're un, you're unstoppable. About the team bridge stuff, you said you had a problem with you know in the team where people would get really really or, or maybe other people were having this problem where someone would get so good on the team that all of a sudden they didn't need you anymore, and essentially you were having to rehire every couple of years. And I was at a I was at a barbecue this last weekend, and there was an agent there you know out of field out of like Baltimore, big team. Right. And it was talking about the turnover that happens and how do, you, yeah. how do you, how do you manage turnover? How do you keep people from leaving? Yeah. And I think that, so I, I think, you know, teams have been a growing part of real estate and I think teams will continue to be a big part of the future. I think teams are the future of real estate, right? Cause the 24 hour on-demand consumer that pushes the button on Zillow or Redfin or whatever it is that wants to go see a house right now, they don't want to wait for you to finish your consultation or meeting so they can get that response. And that's why teams have grown. The challenge with team owners and team, the team model, you know, and I, I Gary Keller was a big influence in, in my success in my career. Uh, you know, I think he's a genius in a lot of ways, but one of the things I remember him sharing with me was like, look, you know, for all you team leaders out there who want to build these teams, most of you, you want to hire people, pay them as little as possible, take all the credit, and then you expect your talented people to stay. And, you know, he said, what kind of business do you want to own? Do you want to own a business that's got constant churn and turnover? Or do you want to grow with, with, with high, high margins, but a lot of frustration? Uh, or do you want to own a business that's a bigger business, maybe with slightly lower margins, but if you scale it, you have a bigger net profit and it's much more durable. All right. And if you want to learn more about the rest of the stuff that Brett is doing, go listen to episode 970. Next up, here was the last one. This is State of the Market 71 
bubble or boom? What explains today's red hot real estate market? I hope you guys like this one. This was just a conversation I had with my brother with going on and he's a real estate agent up in Oregon. We talked about the statistics that he's going through. So here's a few minutes of me and Madam Uchistegui. This was an image from a Facebook page today from an agent down in the Austin area. Her name's Terry. The post that she put on there was a picture of a snapshot of the news and it said the wood cost to build a deck. And it said using 2,400 board feet, just 200 square feet in April of 2020, it cost 936 bucks for the lumber to build a deck. What do you think it's at now? What would you guess? I'm going to guess it's gone up 200%. 200%. So it went from 936 bucks in lumber to build a small little deck to 3,696. So it's up four times what it was a year ago, April to April for just similar lumber. So when we are talking about, I'm going to start to share my screen now for all you listeners that watch this on YouTube. So that's pretty crazy when we're looking at uh, at those numbers. That's that's a big part of why prices are going up. We've got, when people are saying inflation doesn't happen year, year over year, lumber four times the cost that it used to, I'm sure that's going to impact stuff. So so foreclosures are up, but forbearances are down right now. And so the forbearances are the people that they were in default and they worked out a deal with their bank and the bank said, all right, you don't have to make payments for a while. Is there much talk of that up up in Oregon uh, with the different things? And what do you think the implications are with, you know, when forbearance stops? Well, I, I you know, it's all connected, right? So you mentioned we're not in a bubble. I don't feel like we're in a bubble either. I think it's a, it's a legitimate supply and demand issue, right? And if coronavirus couldn't stop the housing market, I mean, think about it. This unprecedented virus, everybody thought the sky was falling. Market got busier where I was at. Busier. Busier than it was the year before. And so then the only way I think it can be cured is if there's an influx of inventory all of a sudden, right? If there's a bunch of inventory. So yes, if if they came out and said everybody that hasn't been making their mortgages payments, now you either need to you know get back to even, get current, or we're going to foreclose, I think that could impact the housing market. I, judging by what they're doing with all the stimulus money and all the extra money they continue to give away and extend out, I have a feeling they're going to come up with a way, whether it's through HARP refinancing, like another HARP 4.0 or whatever, you know, a HARP refinance program, or hey, we're going to forgive this forbearance amount of debt. We're going to put it on the back of your loan. We're going to start you over. You're going to pay back some point or, or whatever. I feel like if they don't find a way to forgive people, I think we'll still see foreclosures proceed, but those are the ones that people are going to lose their house anyways, right? Like the legitimate, hey, I lost my job anyways, or I don't like the house anymore, or I, they're going through a life thing where they just can't pay it. So if they all hit the market at once, we'll, we would see a correction, I think, because there'd be more choices, right? There'd be more supply. It's hard to say what's going what's to happen. I think if they continue to make money easily attainable, it's going to devalue our currency. And if they find a way just to let people not make payments and also get funds and all these other things on top of it, it's going to hurt our workforce in general. I mean, that's, that goes beyond real estate, but I think it all does go back to real estate, right? So economy feeds it and it feeds the economy. All right. And if you like the rest of that one, go back and listen to the rest of State of the Market 71 with me and Madam Uchistegui. All right, guys. Now that's a wrap. That's the best of April for Real Estate Rockstars podcast. I hope you guys have had an awesome start to your year. And I can't wait to show you some of the next podcasts we have for the rest of May. So keep listening up. Thanks for being here. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I wanna make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. 
They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.